Oh man, what's going on, y'all? It is Zach and Ade, and you're listening to Living Corporate. Show sure. up. Yes, they are. Now listen, it's funny. You know, we've we've been around for over a year. Year, I and <laughs> we've yet to explicitly talk about diversity and inclusion. I mean, our podcast is about essentially about diversity and inclusion, right? But we've yet to talk about it like explicitly on this podcast, like as a subject. And I find that kind of kind of weird. Super weird. Okay. Super cool. odd. Yeah, it's kind of odd. I mean, you would think it's kind of low hanging fruit. It's like right there, you know. But we start, we know, we start off with these concepts and you know, every man topics, and we didn't really like go straight at it. You know, I don't know why we, why we are just now getting into this. I don't know. Anyway, uh, diversity and inclusion. Adi, what is what is diversity and inclusion? Like when we use the words diversity and inclusion, like what do we typically think of? Like what are we what are we talking about? We're talking about an actual um, effort um, by an organization, big or small, to um, ensure that their workplace, their their groups, their team members are representative of the world at large, that their um, spaces are not these homogenous microcosms. Um, and that they are really and truly including everybody in their missions. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think that would be my personal definition of diversity and inclusion. Well, you know, it's fire because you said homogenous and microcosms back to back. Bloop, Bar- get at me. Bars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. You know, it's funny, though, because oftentimes I do believe that's the definition in, in theory, but a lot of times the term diversity and inclusion is just kind of used to make sure that folks don't get sued, right? Like we're not racist and we don't discriminate against people. So we're going to use the term diversity and inclusion. LOL. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, I've seen some organizations, listen, I can't go into all the details, but I've walked into a variety of companies. Okay. And organizations would be as homogenous as, um, as a pot of peas. Okay. As a pot of peas. As a pot of peas. They all look the same. Everybody looked the same. <laughs> That's right. I'm country. I said it. A pot of peas. But on okay. their website, all the Every link. stock photo of <laughs> I see every the same, group you can imagine. I see, all, I see the same five black people in all these uh, diversity and inclusion photos. <laughs> I mean, at least they have the common sense to actually have photos of people that they actually employ on their website. I have seen some egregious cases of 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 literally stock photos. That's what on, I'm saying. That's, that's what I've seen. That's what I've seen. I've seen the same. Oh, oh, I see. What you thought I was saying? The same black people on one website. No, well, I've seen that too. But I'm saying I've seen the same stock photo images wow. across multiple companies. Like, have you no shame? <laughs> Have you my, no decency? My goodness, there's millions of us out here. My gosh, there's literally billions. You know, <laughs> but I, I think the the additional point though is that like if it it tells me what you value as an organization when you're willing to put more time and effort 
into planning your happy hours than you are into truly representing not just racially but with the gender diversity makeup with the the disability diversity makeup with like there's so much that goes into thinking through what it means to have a diverse organization and y'all will blow your hr budget on on beer and not even good beer having good beer low-key it just it it drives me nuts that the conversation that we have about diversity and inclusion is about making it more palatable for everybody else as opposed to being like no let's center this on what the truth of the matter is and what reality is as opposed to let's center this on what makes people comfortable that's real you kind of jump in the gun a little bit but i feel you i feel you um, My bad. no you good you good i'm excited i mean like now i now i'm activated you know what i'm saying i'm here let's go uh <laughs> <laughs> Get active. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting because so I had like a crazy idea. Right. So we know that companies actively, you know, like when you look at uh, black and brown unemployment, uh, disabled unemployment, it is drastically higher. Right. Than majority unemployment. It would be right. dope, though, if <laughs> if companies, when they interviewed people and like they know, you know, you're not about to hire that black and brown person. But so you, you say, hey, listen, I'm not going to hire you. But I'd love to take your picture for some of our diversity and inclusion stock photos. Excuse <laughs> me. First of all, lawsuit. I, I'm not even going to say anything. Wouldn't I'll just nod, like, smile, you... <laughs> and like put voice memo on on my phone. I couldn't even just... say that with a straight face. <laughs> but it's a. But I'm saying. But I, but you know what though? There's there's some there's some money in there somewhere, man. There's some there's some business in there somewhere. All right, if you're done being ridiculous, let's I'm, focus. No, I'm not. Listen, I'm not really being ridiculous because as an as an aside, y'all, I just read some article random about this little 12 year old white kid who is getting six figure deals to create dances for rap songs, and then people buy the dances, and then like they pay him, but he's not and doing he's not doing new these- dances though. These dances he's creating are a compilation of dances, dances that black people came up yes. with. Yes, yes. I just also, I think this is a separate conversation actually, but I, I wanted to have a conversation about what it means to monetize blackness divorced of black people. I'm here for um, it. I'm, I'm, what is it? And, uh, any, so so I'm, I don't, I feel like I'm- We're I'm, going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> we, we are. No, we are, but but no, but no, but seriously though, the reason I was being, I was like making a joke, it's kind of a joke, it's kind of not, it's like, people are out here monetizing and getting bread off of this, off of the concept of DNI without actually doing any DNI, right? And so I'm just saying like, at least if you did that, you'd at least some of these black people who are, who are unemployed, that have a little bit more money in their pocket while they look for their next job. I mean, some, I don't know, there's something there. But anyway, okay, cool, so- We've talked a little bit about what we think DNI is. Uh, we've done some research, right? Oh, actually, I also want to have another um, example of this. Yes, keep going. Um, did you see recently that Twitter Detroit posted a picture of their office space and um, all, all white people, every single person mm-hmm. in that I photo? 
um, yeah, every single person that voted was white. Now, I think it later came came out that all of the black people that they have deployed at Twitter Detroit was at Nesby. Although I don't quite I don't quite know the truth of of that statement, but it was just a really striking photo that you are in Detroit, a city that is 84 or 85 percent black. Detroit is black, black, blackity black as hell. Um, Detroit, Detroit, so Detroit, the kind of black that make other people, you know, kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> it's black. It's a lot of black people. Kind of Detroit up until like three, four years ago, Detroit was a kind of black that these type of white people were not going into. I mean, to be to be honest, that's true. That's true. Anyway, um, so they said I all say the black people at Nesby. I don't know if it, again, this is not something that I did a ton of research into because they posted a, a an, an apology tweet attached to that first image, um, and I can read the tweet to you actually. Go ahead. It says, we hear you on the lack of diversity. We're committed to making our company reflect the people we serve, we serve, and that includes here in Detroit. We've got a lot more work to do. We have a team at Nesby now, and we look forward to connecting with the amazing people there. I just have two questions. The first is there are three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine maybe people in here, um, all of whom are white presenting. Um, there are a couple of people who are out of the photo or they have their backs turned. So I don't know necessarily how true that is, but it's incredible to me the, because I was able to see that photo and obviously a lot of people were able, able to see that photo and immediately see the problem. But what does it say of your organizations that you are so deeply homogenous that you don't recognize right off the bat that, Hey, we're in Detroit. Every single one of us in here is white. What does that say about this organization? Well, you know what? You know what they're going to say? They're going to say it's about diversity of thought, are they? Diversity of thought. That's cute. <laughs> and it, let me not poo-poo that idea out the gate. Let us treat that as a serious intellectual argument. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying that diversity of thought is more important than physical diversity um gender diversity etc 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 nausea however what does it say that you think the only diversity that matters diversity of thought that matters is the kind of diversity of thought that represents you because there's no way you're telling me that you have the exact same thoughts and the exact same experiences and the exact same lens as say a black queer man who grew up in Detroit. There's just no, I, I, I don't believe that could ever be the case. Like if you're a queer man from midtown Chicago, you don't have the same thoughts as a queer man from Detroit. So I, I don't understand how that is even a, an argument that anyone could make, but I say all of that to say that it would suck even more if the person taking that photo had been um, a person of color or had been the only disabled person in the office or 
um, had been the only neurodivergent person in the office, and they're not even included in the photo. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh no, I hear, I hear you. Yeah, I'm letting, letting there's you so many different. <laughs> there's so many different. Thank you, friend. There's so many different layers of complexity to that. Um, that on the one hand, why don't you have any of these? Any of these types of diversity represented in your office? But also, I don't know that it would be a safe space for anybody to walk up into um, and say, oh, I'm the only black person in here having to represent at all times. That just sounds exhausting. So it's just it's a very difficult conversation for me to for me to really think through. You have some thoughts, friend? You know, I, I do. I do. Um, and I appreciate you actually like slowing us down a little bit because um, I was going to say that, you know, we did some research. Right. And we've we've read a few things and just a couple of think pieces. You know, what I'm saying some 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 Gallup data from the civil rights movement and some some other things, you know what I'm saying? And labor data all around. What does it really mean to be uh, diverse and inclusive in an organization? And, you know, we've seen like, you know, five things organizations do it wrong. The top three reasons why DNI doesn't work. You know, what makes an effective uh, DNI organization what makes an effective DNI strategy? Da 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 da. And so, look, as opposed to us reading all uh, all of our all of the findings that we've had and just kind of reading it to you, boring, right? Mm-hmm. We decided we live in corporate, right? Zach and Ade, yeah. decided to to give y'all our own list of what you need to know about diversity and inclusion, so that you can actually have an effective diversity and inclusion strategy yo jj drop the flex bomb whoa not the (laughs) i'm i'm really looking forward to you being a dad because you're just so equipped and i'm tired of hearing your dad jokes no drop the flex bomb i mean what you mean in fact jj drop it again yes jj please stop (laughs) thank you Nah, but it's you know um, it's important. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to give y'all some game for free, right? We're going to give you some of our thought leadership for nothing at all. All y'all got to do is listen. I mean, come on. I ain't trying to brag, but I'm saying like, we're pretty dope, right? Am I, am I wrong? Got it? I mean, no. Okay, here we go. So um, how many of these do we have? We got five, right? I mean, something like that. But, you know, we can always expand on our list right, if we cool, start so, ripping off each other, et cetera, et cetera. There we go. We got five. Right, we got, we got five. five on it. We have five on it. We're not messing with that endo weed because it's not federally legal, but we do have five on it. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> first things first. You're really laughing. That's funny. Uh, first things first. Uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, are two different things. I know. Bars. Bars, I know. Diversity and inclusion are two different things. Often enough times, we kind of just throw the terms diversity and inclusion like we just smack them together. But they're actually very different, right? Inclusion means the power not only to sit at the table, but to speak and have your voice equally heard at that table, right? And so it's not just enough to have a variety of voices at a table if only a certain number of voices or a certain type of voice is going to be heard then it just kind of becomes like a dog and pony show right it's all right inclusion is all about making sure that those voices that have a seat at the table 
actually are heard. And typically because of the hierarchical natures of these companies, voices that are not high on the totem pole are not heard, right? So it's about making sure that those voices are actually supported and given authority and access so that their ideas can be mobilized, right? I think yeah. a, lot, a lot of times when we talk about inclusion, it's like, oh, we have you in the room, but you're like over in the corner or you just kind of it just it, and it also just kind of makes you feel tokenized. Right. It's about actually making sure you have a voice. So my turn. Um, so beyond. You know, expanding the table. And inviting people to eat, that's one of the um, the phrases that I've used to describe or that I've heard used to describe diversity and inclusion, um, empowering people. I also would like to make the point that it's not the responsibility of marginalized people to diversify your workplace. Um, what I've seen happen time and time again is that these embattled corporations or people realize, oh no, um, we treated diversity and inclusion as an afterthought and now everybody looks like Chad. What do we do? And they will hire somebody, usually a high profile um, person, black person or queer woman or um, they'll bring these people in and do nothing to change the fact that the culture that fostered this homogeneity continues. And so, and in so doing, make it the responsibility of this person that they invited into this hostile workplace um, and make it their responsibility to improve everything. And then when said um, person starts making points like, yeah, you really shouldn't be making root jokes during our lunch hour. You shouldn't be making them at all, but it's especially not appropriate in the workspace or saying things like, yeah, I'm actually not going to let you touch my hair, Karen. I don't want to do that. And you don't have my permission to do that. So, great talk. <laughs> um, they're treated as though they are the problem. Um, and we don't address the institutional racism. We address um, the black women talking about the institutional racism. We don't address the institutional, um, just general lack of respect for uh, people with disabilities. Um, and it's something that you would know if you spoke to the people uh, who are experiencing these things, but it is instead more um, expedient to pat yourselves on the back for your awesome allyship and employing someone in a wheelchair and doing nothing to ensure that this person in a wheelchair is safe, comfortable, and can do their job without feeling belittled or patronized or outright ignored. So to restate my point, it is not the responsibility of the marginalized person to do the work of diversity and inclusion. That's not their job. It is everybody's job to ensure that the workplace is is open and accessible. Mm, that's good. That's good. No, and it's bars. You know, bars. Uh, 
<laughs> you like that. That makes you that makes you giggle. Bars makes you laugh. I've, I've noticed that over the past uh, past few episodes here. Um, OK, my turn. Diversity and inclusion will only go as far as the majority allows it to go. OK, I'm saying again, diversity and inclusion will go only as Bars. far as far as the majority allows it to go. So what do I mean by this? Let me give you all some statistics from um, some Gallup polls back in 1961 in the throes of our U.S. civil rights movement. I'm going to give you all a few uh, few data points. Here we go. Uh, do you approve this? This is a poll, right? A Gallup poll. Uh, given to white folks with uh, in 1961 uh, in the again in the middle of the civil rights movement. Here we go. Do you approve or disapprove of what the Freedom Riders are doing? 22 percent approved. 61 percent disapproved. 18 <laughs> percent had no opinion. Here's another one. Do you think sit-ins at lunch counters, freedom buses, and other demonstrations by Negroes will hurt or help the Negroes' chances of being integrated in the South? 57% said they believe it'll hurt. 28% said it'll help. 16% said no opinion. Here's the last one, okay? This is uh, the survey research amalgam. This is April 1963. Some people feel... That in working for equal rights for Negroes, Reverend Martin Luther King is moving too fast. Others think he is not working fast enough. What do you think? 8% said he's moving too fast. 71% says he's moving at the right speed. 21% said he isn't moving fast enough. When we talk about, like historically, right, civil rights, um, not just for African Americans, but it's the easiest one for us to point to because historically, like when you kind of like it has the there's the most data points around it, and um, you know, really, if we were to go by the data and the survey data and what people were really comfortable with, then we would still probably not really be. I mean, we're not really integrated, but we wouldn't have even the civil rights laws we have, right? And I think an uncomfortable reality is when when you talk about diversity and inclusion, when you talk about creating a truly diverse and inclusive working environment, it can only go as far as the majority is comfortable with it going. Right. And when you think about the fact that, like, when you look at the civil rights laws and you especially look, if you look at our our present. Right. Like we're fighting, we're fighting to maintain some very basic civil rights laws that we achieved 50, over 50 years ago, just over 50 years ago. Like, and we haven't really made in terms of legislation much progress since then. In fact, again, we're fighting just to keep what we established 50 years ago. And really, if you think about historically, what we fought to get 50 years ago, we should have already had like 50, 50 to 60 years before that. And so you know, I think that's that's kind of like again, just kind of pointing to your point, like really reinforcing your point around the fact that um, it's not about like just kind of checking a box, and ultimately, it's going to take all of us, the majority, to drive and make sure that we're actually moving forward. It can't be the responsibility of the marginalized to move the needle. 
we don't have the numbers we don't have the power so so that's 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 number three I think I'm going to expand on a point that I made at the end of my last my last uh, rant. So diversity and inclusion is all of our responsibilities. It is not a position. It is not um, the, the term Chris Moreland uses, uh, used was a function. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not about how um, how good it makes individual people feel. It's not about the money that it makes or the organization. Like, sure, yes, there are stats out there that show how good it is to have a diverse workplace. But, and I, I've started to realize, or I'm starting to realize that it's really not a common thing or a common opinion anymore to do things because they're the right thing to do. Um, there has to be um, a cost-benefit analysis on this, and that's trash. That's really trash. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that. I know what's happening. It's capitalism. Right. But the point is that diversity and inclusion is about you as the individual respecting the whole of other people who are individuals in your workspaces and recognizing when there are individuals who aren't welcome in your workplace and doing something to change that. Um, even beyond what it means to um, be an ally, you are actively doing the work of being a good human being and encouraging others in your workplace to do, to do, to do the same. Uh, I think I when we were working on the um, Disabled at Work episode, I read a story about um, a guy who got a job working at one of these big tech companies um, and he just knew it was going to suck, right? Because when he had interviewed there, he did not see anybody who was wheelchair-bound as he was. And he had a very large um, electric wheelchair uh, and he was like, I can't turn down because of the money, but I feel like this is not going to be great. But he then told stories of how everybody was inclusive. They would um, ensure that um, he could get his scooter up and down these hills um, in San Francisco. They would ensure that he wasn't just stuck being wet when it rained. Um, or that he could have a standing desk as opposed to the lower desk that wouldn't work for um, his his electronic electronic electric wheelchair. And so there are all of these different parts of what it means to be inclusive um, in not just empowering and recognizing the diversity in your coworkers, but also saying taking it a step further and being like, I'm right there with you. Whatever it is that you need in order to feel comfortable in this space, in order to feel human in this space, like we got to be here at least eight hours a day, dog. Like the least we can do is ensure that you are your whole self while you're here. Um, and I think that is such a significant thing to highlight. It's such a significant thing because it's it very very easily goes unspoken that you have a responsibility to your coworkers to not just be kind but be supportive 
I think it's really interesting, too, because, you know, I think a large part of diversity and inclusion just comes like a large part of it is driven by empathy. right? Like really. And I I know that Chris talked about this, too, in the the interview was just about like understanding someone's story. Like building a connection with them, like really understanding them. It's challenging for me, though, because like and I, I, I really I love I love what Chris is doing, um, not only at at, his, at Vizient, um, but but with his own startup storytellers, um, you know, I don't ha- but I don't have to hear your story. Right. Like for me to treat you and recognize that you're a human being. You know what I'm saying? Like I shouldn't have to. I get it. I get it from a relationship building perspective. Maybe I need to hear your story. So for us to like really build trust. But I shouldn't have to hear your story for us to like for me just to empathize and recognize that you breathe, you're breathing and walking or you're breathing and existing in a existing and having a human experience just like me. It's heartbreaking, to be honest. Um, When I think about it like that, but okay, cool. Um, So last one, I think I think it's on me. Most definitely. All right. So piggybacking off of my first point but it's really important hey yo if you don't have inclusion you don't have diddly say it again if you don't have inclusion you don't have diddly it's not enough for organizations just to hire non-majority people right because oftentimes if you look at the turnover rate of non-majority employees they're significantly higher than majority employees. And if you do a cross analysis with uh, majority, non-majority turnover and minority representation, you'll see some connect. You'll see some, co- some connections there, right? Like you'll see in organizations that are not truly inclusive, that do not have representation and some level of power distribution of power, for non-majority people those organizations struggle to retain non-majority talent and I think something to continue to keep in mind organizations talking to y'all listen man like these like millennials and these generation Z the people coming behind us we're aware like we pay attention and we're sensitive to that like we peep game like we're gonna look and be like oh there's no there's no there's no, there's none of me here. I don't see myself here. Okay, so I know I probably got only so much time to go before I got to find somewhere to be. Or when something goes wrong or they feel like they're not getting the coaching that they need or they're not getting the development that they need or that they're getting passed over for promotion, if they don't feel like they can talk to somebody and they're not represented in the decision in that pool of people that actually make the decisions and make the company grow and grow then they're not going to feel like they can talk to anybody and they're going to leave. Right. They're going to be even more discouraged to like, even try to stay because I'm gonna be like, for what? I'm going to be the, I'm the only person here. They're not going to be as comfortable when it comes to networking and trying to build relationships and correct. Right. Because they don't know who they can talk to. <laughs> like, and then like many of us are, we're the first people in our, from our families in corporate America. That's my story. Ade, is that your story? Only one. Exactly. 
solo dolo solo dolo and so like hey yo like inclusion is important and um i guess uh, part b to this one is listen diversity of thought by itself is not real okay that's right i'm gonna give y'all two so we got six now diversity of thought is not diversity of thought on its own is not real it's a term uh that some group of people in some laboratory made up just to kind of pat themselves on the back and create diversity where there really isn't any okay not a laboratory (laughs) they made crack and diversity of thought in the same place what's up i am (laughs) jj give me them air horns right here (laughs) okay okay no tap um no but for real though like it's not real like so diversity of thought is 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 as relevant as diversity of experience and if you look at american history experiences are sharply divided along racial gender lines of sexual orientation right there are many other diversity dimensions but you're going to get that true diversity of thought along those those points all right cool so do you got another one just a final thought do you think i think that paying lip service to diversity is almost worse than not doing anything and not paying attention to diversity and inclusion in the first place because you when you pay lip service to diversity you delude people into thinking that your workplace is a safe space and that they can come to your jobs and bring their their whole selves and come and do what they love to do for you when you don't even pretend it lets everybody know who to avoid when you pay lip service and you end up being these ultra toxic ultra just all around disgusting places for for people you it's almost heartbreaking, right? Because people want to come into these places and do good work um, and go home and love their families. And instead, they come into these places, you gaslight them, um, pretend that nothing is actually happening when, you know, they're facing all of these microaggressions, they're being passed up for promotions, the careers are stalling, and they have no allies and no no way out. Um a pretty abusive relationship i'd call that um and even further than that i would say that you know you're you're actively oppressing them in that scenario Mm -hmm. so i say all of that to say that if you know that you have no investment whatsoever in diversity and inclusion and the success of um everybody in, in the growth too um, of all of these folks, then just leave us alone. Leave us or leave us alone. That's all I ask. No, nah, real talk, though. No lukewarm DM. No lukewarm stuff. Right? Be hot or cold. Either you in or you out. The man came through with a word from the church for y'all. <laughs> Don't think I didn't notice, Zachary. No. <laughs> man. Okay. Well, y'all. So this has been uh, a dope B-side. Just sharing our thoughts about uh, the interview with Chris Moreland. Um, really enjoyed him. 
and and yeah i'd a um anything else do we want to do favorite things we good we can if go you ahead. have something i, got something I do have ahead. go ahead yeah you go okay ahead. okay so my current favorite thing is the voice of a young reggae artist known as coffee oh yeah um love 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 i've just been listening to her on repeat lately um and and finding out finding her music where i can find her but amazing i love her that's what's up uh that's it for my favorite things okay mm-hmm. okay 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 um yeah you know oh wait i lied keep going <laughs> go crazy Sorry. one other favorite thing um i have this book i'm currently reading it is the aws <laughs> certified solutions architect <laughs> study guide um okay <laughs> yeah it's my second favorite thing this is a personal as a reminder to myself to keep working i respect that okay okay i have i have one um one favorite thing Okay. And this favorite thing, um, it's, you know, it's, it's something that I, I, I partake in uh, every day. It's actually a beverage and this beverage, this beverage is called kombucha. Oh, I thought you were going to say water. I was about to be like, (laughs) don't fight me. No, no, no. I definitely, (laughs) no, no. I definitely do drink water every day though. And shout out, Ayo, if you listen to this, go ahead and uh, get yourself some water. I don't care what time it is, Ayo. Uh, get some water and take a sip. 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 Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So some ASMR your, peer pressure. That was, for that was, that was incredible. That we, yo, yo, we should actually do an ASMR episode of us just like drinking water quietly. I, uh, <laughs> no. Let's move forward. <laughs> oh, these ice cubes. <laughs> we get like we get like no, but seriously though, because we got these mics are pretty good. Like we just take like make sure the ice hits the glass, clink clink clink. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like all, all soft. All right, so uh, listen here, Kombu- kombucha, and don't please don't y'all don't kill me in the comments if I'm saying it wrong. I'm country, forgive me. It is a fermented, slightly only slightly alcoholic green or black tea drink okay it is so good like think about it like it's like a soda it's like a healthy soda right and there's a, say it again go that far you wouldn't go that a healthy far? it's like a healthy soda well it's not it has, it has, it's carbonated it has some it has some bite to it you know what you're right who are me to disagree with your favorite thing <laughs> my bad it's so good though, y'all, and it's like, and so like you know, it comes in all kinds of flavors. You can, it's it's a fermented tea, right? So you you take the tea, and it's fermented, and then you put like you know you can put whatever you want in there to to flavor it. So like I'll I'll, I'll my favorite flavor is gingerade. It's like it's like ginger and lemon and honey, and ferment it, like ferment with the kom- with the kombucha. Man, it is so good, and it's low calorie, right? So like a bottle, like a like the same amount of of this drink that would be like I don't know 200 calories in soda is like 50 calories and it's good for your digestion so it helps keep you regular 
That's right. We're talking about health. We talk about wellness on this podcast. So part of wellness is making sure that you're regular. Come on, Ade. You know what I'm talking about. Please leave me out of this narrative. <laughs> but it's important, y'all. And it's it's important. It's important to be regular. And so anyway, kombucha, it helps. It's, it has those live cultures and bacteria for your stomach. Um, and it's just delicious. It's just so good. So, yeah, that's my favorite thing. I don't have a brand because we don't have no sponsors for kombucha yet. Just like, you know, Capital City Mumbo Sauce ain't want to show us any love, but we still love y'all. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but I'm not giving no more free ads. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about the brand. I'm going to just say I like kombucha. Or is it kombucha? What is it? I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's kombucha. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I said it right. So, I, But then you said it really, really wrong. So <laughs> I, I really don't know if you sing it right in the first place even counts. Dang, that's jacked up. You supposed, it, to, yeah. you're, you're supposed to be my piece. No, sir, I'm not. Candace <laughs> would have my head. Um, I, I just... Man. First of all, that was a setup. Secondly, <laughs> um, I, I forgot everything I was about to say because I was I was so startled and taken aback at that, at that, at that statement. Wow. Oh, um, Candace, if you're listening to this, I, I don't want to smoke. Ken's <laughs> gonna show up. Ken's gonna show up to DC with that with that Yamin on her. Pop All eyes. of the choppers just <laughs> aimed in my direction, <laughs> and I want none of it. I'm good. Yeah, no, nah, because I'm joking. It's, it's jokes. It's jokes. Candace don't listen to this podcast. Wait a minute. Now I have additional <laughs> questions. <laughs> All right, y'all. That is it for us on Living Corporate. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Corporate, on Twitter at Living Corp underscore pod. And please subscribe to our newsletter through www.living-corporate.com. If you have a question for us that you would like us to, to read on the show, um, please make sure you email us um, at livingcorporatepodcast.gmail.com. We're also taking um, any wins that you've had lately. We're taking any reviews, any thoughts that you'd like to share with us. That's it for us. This has been Ade. And this has been Zach. Peace. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.